the next few weeks, he was Will the Good Guy, Will the Redeemer, and he loved it. It was effortless, too. He never managed to strike up much of a rapport with Maisie, Angie's mysteriously somber five-year-old, who seemed to regard him as frivolous to his core. But Joe, the three-year-old, took to him almost at once, mostly because during their first meeting, Will held him upside down by his ankles. That was it. That was all it took. He wished that relationships with proper human beings were that easy. They went to McDonald's. They went to the Science Museum and the Natural History Museum. They went on a boat down the river. On the very few occasions when he had thought about the possibility of children, always when he was drunk, always in the first throes of a new relationship, he had convinced himself that fatherhood would be a sort of sentimental photo-opportunity, and fatherhood Angie's style was exactly like that. He could walk hand in hand with a beautiful woman, children gambling happily in front of him, and everyone could see him doing it. And when he'd done it for an afternoon, he could go home again if he wanted to. And then there was the sex. Sex with a single mother, Will decided after his first night with Angie, beat the sort of sex he was used to, hands down. If you picked the right woman, someone who'd been messed around and eventually abandoned by the father of her children, and who hadn't met anyone since, because the kids stopped you going out, and anyway, a lot of men didn't like kids that didn't belong to them. And they didn't like the kind of mess that frequently coiled around these kids like a whirlwind. If you picked one of these, then she loved you for it. All of a sudden, you became better looking, a better lover, a better person. As far as he could see, it was an entirely happy arrangement. All those so-so couplings going on out in the world of the childless singles to whom a night in a foreign bed was just another fuck. They didn't know what they were missing. Sure, there were right-on people, men and women, who would be repelled and appalled by his logic, but that was fine by him. It reduced the competition. In the end, the thing that swung it for him in his affair with Angie was that he was not someone else. That meant, in this case, he wasn't Simon, her ex, who had problems with drink and work, and who, with a cavalier disregard for cliché, turned out to be screwing his secretary. Will found it easy not to be Simon. He had a positive flair for not being Simon. He was brilliant at it. It seemed unfair, in fact, that something he found so effortless should bring him any kind of reward at all. But it did. He was loved for not being Simon more than he'd ever been loved simply for being himself. Even the end, when it came, had an enormous amount to recommend it. Will found endings difficult. He'd never quite managed to grasp the bull by the horns. And as a consequence, there had hitherto always been some kind of messy overlap. But with Angie, it was easy. Indeed, it was so easy that he felt there had to be some kind of catch. They'd been going out for six weeks, and there were certain things that he was beginning to find unsatisfactory. Angie wasn't very flexible for a start, and the whole kid thing really got in the way sometimes the week before he'd bought tickets for the new Mike Lee film on the opening night. But she didn't make it to the cinema until 30 minutes after it had started, because the babysitter hadn't turned up. That really pissed him off, although he felt he managed to disguise his annoyance pretty well, and they had a reasonable evening out anyway. And she could never stay over at his place, so he always had to go around there, and she didn't have many CDs, and there was no VCR or satellite or cable 
So on a Saturday night, they always ended up watching NYPD Blue and a crap made-for-TV movie about some kid with a disease. He was just beginning to wonder whether Angie was exactly what he was looking for when she decided to finish it. They were in an Indian restaurant on Holloway Road when she told him, Well, I'm so sorry, but I'm not sure this is working out. He didn't say anything. In the past, any conversation that began in this way usually meant that she'd found something out, or that he'd done something mean, or stupid, or grotesquely insensitive. But he really thought that he'd kept a clean sheet in this relationship. His silence bought him time while he scanned through the memory bank for any indiscretions he might have forgotten about. But there was nothing. He would have been extremely disappointed if he'd found something, an overlooked infidelity, say, or a casual, unmemorable cruelty. As the whole point of this relationship was his niceness, any blemish would have meant that...